Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. LaFondra looking to get close side of Vaughn. LaFondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to the Ampart Rules podcast sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. 2-1 defeat at home yesterday to Cardiff City is Reading's first defeat in five. And joining me today to discuss that unfortunate turn turnaround result. Result, we'll go with result. Jacob Southcline. Jacob, how are we today? Bonjour. Uh, I'm okay, Alex. Um, and it, honestly, it's just the perfect game for how the stats always lie. Because on paper, it was an even game. But it was only even so much as... It was all Reading in one half and all Cardiff in the other. So I've kind of made peace with it. Uh, I've had an evening to, to cry in the corner and get myself ready for the podcast. So thanks for having me on. No problem. It's a pleasure. And Matt, stats don't lie. And another cliche, which is so often uttered in football, is it's a game of two halves. And yesterday was exactly the epitome that. of the game of two halves. It was. It was. You, you couldn't have seen two different halves could you um we'll get onto it and get into the details of it but yeah it was as as cliche i think a game as you would see for a game of two offs yeah it definitely was game of two halves because reading came out pretty pretty much you know as hot as you could see it jacob uh the the starting lineup was almost the same as tuesday night except for the fact that ajaria uh was mm. benched we did discuss this after Tuesday and, and weren't quite in agreement as to whether he would start or not. I think Paul Paul went with he probably will start and I said I'm not sure if he will. And it, what did you think? Did you do you reckon he should should have started yesterday? Uh, yeah, I I was equally unsurprised to see Ajaria benched as Tom Ince brought back in because Ince, as we know, is the manager's flesh and blood and Quite he, he, he he was he was in he was always going to be back in, but it was just a case of who for. And I think it would have been cruel to bench Hoyler after he had such a good game midweek. So Ajara kind of was the logical choice to um, keep out of the eleven. But then for me, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. But it sort of spoke volumes how we never got on 
during the course of the game. So it's safe to say that he is on the naughty step and whether he'll be back for Sheffield United, we'll just have to see. But on paper, I thought it's a strong enough team. Only question mark for me was why was Baba Rahman not back in at left-back and why were we persisting with McIntyre, a centre-back who's not a left-back at left-back again. And um, I know he he was one who did come off the bench and featured in, in the second half, but I would have liked to have seen him start from the off. Matt, first 10 minutes from Reading yesterday, very, very strong. They were great. You know, it, it, it was, it, well, I mean, we said it in our in our chat as well at halftime, didn't we? Um, that it's probably one of the best halves of football that, that we'd seen. The first 10 minutes, we were absolutely flying. You know, came up with pace, aggression, you know, closing down, not giving too much time for for um, Cardiff to settle in. It's almost like the start that you wanted against a team that has just lost a derby 4-0. You know, because you want to put them on under pressure, at, like straight away. You know, you don't want to give them any chance to get into the game at all, and they didn't. You know, and the chance comes pretty pretty quickly as well um, after the start with Zhao. Yeah, I mean, the first well, the first chance we have, uh, Jacob. We I don't think we have a chance before the goal. And receiver, if you want to correct me here, I think we were sniffing around. But the thing that struck me the most was the way that Cardiff were just stuck in their own half, and we we weren't letting them out. It was brilliant. It was it was reminiscent of what we did midweek against Stoke. But Cardiff just were under pressure straight from the off, and a really really fast start, which we've been crying out for all year. And the only difference is this time we actually capitalised on it. To go ahead after after eight minutes was was great. And we were saying before we hit record how just how conventional a goal it was, like refreshingly normal and straightforward a goal as you'll ever see. Um, it's Tom that is not the manager. He didn't like you know start himself. He um, Tom Ince pushes forwards, lays it off to Yeardham. Yeardham puts in a floaty cross. Uh, you know, not really hit with any pace. But then the quality comes from Jao to have the ability to win it. Um, he does a great job of just hanging in the air and out-muscling the defender and puts it away. But really, on, on, on the highlights, if you're not a Reading fan, you're thinking, God, that's a boring goal. But, <laughs> but I would have taken a, a boring 1-0 win, but that wasn't the way it was going to be. I think it's actually, even before the the layout from uh, Ince Jr. to, to Yeardom. There's a nice bit of play from between Zhao and Swift and the, the ball kind of comes across, like right across from the middle over to the right-hand side. It, it The ball moves very quickly. Uh, you know, Zhao moves from the edge of the area into the six-yard box. It, it, as you said, quite conventional goal, I think. it's It was a goal which was just quite pleasing to see. Mm. It, I think, uh, aside I think from the fact it's a Reading goal, it was just a <laughs> a good goal a good goal to see I think one thing that could very easily be missed as well I think is the win from Morrison on the halfway line which sets it all up yeah. because you know 10 seconds prior Cardiff are coming forwards and Morrison wins it brilliantly and then like say the, li the little link up play between Swift and Zhao is is so so good shifting out from Zhao out, out to the wing then you know it, it's 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 just a very well worked goal and it, it's very quick as well which isn't something we've seen that much this season quick passing the purpose behind it yeah it's very very rare that we've seen that that kind of pace when we do have the ball um so to see it and then actually to capitalize on it is is really good we i don't think we'd really um 
we didn't necessarily sit back either after that goal, the, which which was slightly different to Tuesday night, Jacob. The, it was funny because the Cardiff inevitably had a bit of a a very brief resurgence after we gone one nil, but we quashed it rather quickly, like you say. Um, it was kind of one-way traffic from us in the first half. And you kind of thought, right, if we get a second here, we're going to kill the game off. And it's easy to say in hindsight, but within, with Paul Ince as well saying after the game, oh, well, we should have been two or three up by half time. We probably could have been two or three up by half time. And um, the best chance of the half definitely fell to Swift. He, you know, has, has found his shooting boots this season, but he almost thinks that he's got more time to put it away than he has and looks surprised to see the keeper off his line so quickly. But looking back, that was probably the, the turning point of the game because even though Cardiff didn't have anything to show for at halftime, we, that, was, that was the sign that they needed to think, OK, hang on a minute, you know, they're not going to get another one. We can have this now. Yeah, the, so the chance for Swift comes around from a, a goal kick to Cardiff, and it's a short, short goal kick which runs out into the midfield. And I don't know who wins the ball back. I want to say it's, um, I want to say it was Drinkwater. Um, I think, I think it's then Lauren. It, uh, I was yeah. Lauren, and then Lauren plays it into Ince, who plays it through to Swift. And it was, Swift, um, it was Colwell, the number six that. Lost the ball. Messed up, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then it's, Swift finds himself kind of on the edge of the area. And I think his touch is really heavy. For his first touch t- to take it into the area is, is very, it's heavy, very heavy. And, and I think he's... he tries to pass it as well. I don't think he actually tries to shoot, which is which is a weird one, because he's it, it looks like he's almost trying to hook it to the left to either Ince or... Oh, I can't imagine he would have been able to get it out to Zhao from where he was. But it's just weird that he just didn't almost just take take one touch and try and shoot even after the heavy touch because you, you're one on one you know yeah. just just get a shot he, away yeah if he if he shoots there he slots it slots it past the keeper into the bottom corner um because it's it's not He'd certainly back him too <laughs> yeah. yeah right it, and it's not i don't think it was a big it wasn't a difficult chance for for someone of john swift's ability there um i just think he's completely misjudged what he's going to be able to like misjudged the amount of time he's really got to to do an ink there um whether that's a case of not knowing where the keeper is or, or not knowing that the keeper's advancing or if it's just a poor touch, um, I'm not really sure. But yeah, as Jacob said, I think it is a bit of a game changer at that moment because as soon as as soon as that happens, it's only a few minutes before half time, that 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 big chance. Um, it kept Cardiff in the game. And that, yeah, that's it keeps, all they needed to exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> it keeps Cardiff in the game and, and the team talk on that moment just changes because it's it's not 2-0 to Reading. It's, it's 1-0 and actually... Cardiff don't then like they're not a bad side Cardiff like I know they're in 16th or 17th but they before last weekend they hadn't lost in four or five games as well so it's it's um it, it's a difficult one I guess to then go into half time as as Paul Ince when the common I guess the common thinking there Matt was that Reading have actually been very good in that half despite the fact we've only spoken about two chances here the common thinking was at half time we'd actually played very well. Um, yeah. I, I I had a conversation with with my friend who I was with yesterday at the game, and I said I don't know actually how well Reading have played in that first half, rather than it being an entertaining half of football. Um, what, what, like, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you think we're actually good in the first I think, half and dominating? I think we're good. Or, I think, yeah. No, absolutely. It was, I, it was entertaining. 
I think I, I think we were very good, you know, because we it it, it wasn't necessarily the, the build up of chances because obviously, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of chances, but it was just the way that the game was dominated. You know, we gave yeah. Cardiff zero chance to get into the game. The pressing was good. The pace was good, you know, and a lot of people were saying, oh, we we just sat back after the goal. We didn't sit back after the goal, you know, for that for that first 45 minutes, we were really on the front foot. And like you say, we should have probably been 2-0 up. At the, the uh, on that note, Matt, that there was a crunching slight slide tackle that Tom Holmes put in once we were 1-0 up. And that, you know, people often level these accusations at Reading of like lacking fight or not wanting it. Like Tom Holmes absolutely clatters this Cardiff attacker. And I'm thinking, okay, right, he's up for it. And then it was kind of shocking to me how that evaporated after the break. And we are going to go and and talk about the second half. But the the way that, you know, people were like, oh, well, we sat back. We didn't. You're spot on. And I guess the only way I can explain what happened at halftime in my own mind is they the Reading players themselves must know the fact that they've gone ahead in seven games this season that they haven't won. In fact, I think we've gone ahead in seven games this season, which we've then gone on to lose. And I can only imagine some of those players must have been thinking, oh God, is this going to happen again? Because it was like, it is a cliche, but it was like watching a different team after halftime. It was completely different. The the halftime team talk didn't take long from from Steve Morrison really to take effect either because they had that chance very very early on. Um, uh, Colwell found himself maybe seven eight yards out and he's tried to hit it into the near post mat at the at the the south stand end. Um, and and giving credit here, Nylon makes a pretty good save at his near post. Yeah yeah no he does. He- you never want to see a keeper get beaten at his near post. You always kind of say if that goes in, you're probably looking at your goalkeeper. But it's 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 a shot that comes in with a lot of pace. It's a good save. It's a good save from Nyland. Um, but yeah, you did kind of start to think think then like, come on, Reading, let's let's wake up a bit. You know, it was a slow start to the second half, and it was just like you just hoped it, that. It reminded me a lot of the Stoke game, the start of the second half. It, it, the first. 20 minutes of the Stoke second half were very, very similar to the, to yesterday in the, in the sense that we came out and we just flatlined completely. Yeah. The, the warning signs were there because for that chance where I think Nyla makes it, we'll call it a good save. Like you say, it wasn't his near post. You didn't expect him to make it, but he gets down well and it is struck with, with venom, as they say. Um, the cross that comes in, I don't know who it was, but he had three Reading defenders on it. And as soon as he was allowed to get that ball into the box, I'm thinking, oh, God, hang on a minute. That's a ball that we should have dealt with. And you're right in that it kind of set the tone for what then happened in terms of letting Cardiff build the pressure. And it was almost a total role reversal in that we went from from having Reading contain Cardiff in their own half in the first period to Cardiff almost doing the exact same thing to us in the second half. We looked really blunt going forward. We looked increasingly nervous at the back and we looked like a team that was waiting to lose. And lose we did because it got to the hour mark and Cardiff managed to find the equaliser. It's another goal which, and I'm, I feel like we can probably have this conversation at this point because it, it's now got to the point where I'm, I'm kind of a bit done watching Tom McIntyre play left back because he's not a left back. Let's yeah. be honest here. 
um, because it's another goal which has come from our left-hand side and it's another goal which is... I, was, I don't want to pin the blame entirely on McIntyre here for this goal because the build-up is controversial, Matt, um, because yeah. Zhao goes down and the Reading players and Reading fans are claiming this is a free kick. I think rightly so. I think because you, well, you you see the very end of it on the highlights as well. He's 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 clearly got grab of his arm and he clearly pulls pulls down his arm. Like like Zhao has gone down a lot so far since he's obviously come back from injury. We've spoken about that and how easily sometimes he does go down. But it's I just think it's a very it's a very it's 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 it's, it's a standard foul. Any like it's soft. Soft. Oh, I think it's soft. You think? Yeah, we get that's oh, yeah. yeah. We had the conversation beforehand, and Jacob is on the other side of the. Um, listen, I might. You might just think I'm playing devil's advocate here, lads. I genuinely do think it's a really soft foul, and I'm not a referee, and I have no ambition to be. But I think it's kind of the mark of lazy hold-up play if you expect for that to be given as a foul if you're Lucas Jow, because Matt mentioned that. Reading's goal came from some excellent work on the halfway line from Michael Morrison. Once again, it, it the decisive moment in the build-up to the goal has happened on the halfway line, but it's as culpable this time because it's it's Zhao that's made, but through not winning that foul or through going down so easily for a foul that wasn't given, he's instantly put us under pressure. And I know McIntyre's out of position, but it's his mistake that leads to the goal, I think. I mean, there's the second, there's the second moment there when Cardiff do pick up the ball, where but where Lauren goes down as well, claiming the foul. No that one, that Lauren, one, that baffles me because um, it's 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 a weird way that he goes down because it doesn't look like he's tripped. It's almost just like he's just. I think gone he's down off balance, his... and then he's kind of nudged over by the Cardiff player, but it's certainly not a foul. But um, it's which, it's which really Lauren frustrating because for. if he if he stays up or if he gets up quickly. He he probably actually stops that attack because the ball is very close to him when it when he's down and it gets passed about a bit around him, kind of whilst he's on the floor. It's quite frustrating to watch when you when you see it. Yeah, and I mean the goal itself, the ball the ball comes from maybe twenty, probably thirty five yards out from goal over to the to the our left hand side, and it pretty much splits in between McIntyre and uh, I want to say it's Hoylet uh, yeah. who's meant to be covering there. And the ball ends up with Colwell at the corner of the penalty box when he takes the ball on. He only takes him one touch and then he's through on goal and he can put it past the keeper. I think it's um, uh, I think it's Doty that scores in the end. Doty. Cole, yeah, Cole will get the second. They all look the same. Not in not in a racist way, but all these Cardiff players, they they all do look the same. Uh, <laughs> it is but, Doty, um, all right. Yeah, but he's but you're spot on. All he needs to do, the minute he gets in the box, you're thinking goal because it's the easy ball over the top, which we've seen this season so many times. And then it's the FIFA finesse shot, isn't it? He just opens up his body and just needs to bend it past Neyland. And, and I don't think he necessarily could have done, done a lot better with the shot, but all he really does is pick the ball out the net, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I'm like, having watched the replay of this, I'm quite frustrated that Neyland doesn't do slightly better. I get it's not an easy chance to save, but the ball hasn't ended up in the far corner. It's not ended up kind of striking the post on the way in. It, it, it does go in fairly centrally. Um, it is It is six yards out, mind, which you can put on island side. It, yes. It, it, by the time he actually strikes the ball, he is fairly close to the goal. Um, I mean, let's have a discussion about McIntyre. Is he going to stay at left-back, Matt, going forwards? Or is it time to, to now drop, um, no. drop him and, and put Rahman back in the side? 
he is not staying at left back. That's a simple one. <laughs> he no, it's 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 so glaringly apparent that I mean he, he's he's just like a sheep in headlamps when he's or whatever the saying goes. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what, I mean, let's get into it a little bit. What's the issue, what's the issue with him though, at left back? What what is position like, position? Like he 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 doesn't know where he is when he's playing left back, and you see it in both the goals. He just like seemingly he just ambles around, and he just doesn't know know where he is when he's when he's where he is on the pitch compared to everyone else. Like yes, he he does for that first goal. He does almost have two players because Hoy. I don't know whether or not Hoylet's supposed to be covering one, but he should. I know mean, that yeah, Mac- McIntyre turns around and, and shouts at Hoylet for not covering him here. But at at the end of the day, you know, it, like the one that actually scored was the further forward of the two. So it's like you, it's, you're probably looking at the wrong player there if you're if if if, if you're McIntyre. It's it's a funny one because we talk about. Tom McIntyre, the left back, and then if you look at Tom McIntyre, the centre back, and what his actual strengths are in terms of attributes, as a centre back, I like McIntyre because his best moments come from like balls to the wall, last gasp defending, and him being strong, good in the air. Um, and then at left back, weirdly, his best moments come from when he's finds himself further up the pitch. And again, that's a positioning thing, right? Because he's not that sort of player. He's not a wing back like Yeardham. Um, and he doesn't really have the crossing ability. So for him to be finding himself so high up the pitch like he did in the first half against Cardiff, is it's setting himself up to fail because when his position is so poor, when the opposition are on the attack, he, he, he exposes himself. So I think ultimately, Rahman has to come back in before the end of the, the season. He has to because you need comfort and natural ability out wide because otherwise teams are going to target it every week because if i'm the opposition manager say i'm I mean, say I'm, we, we are seeing it every week because how many goals have we already conceded from it well exactly like, I, can, yeah. I can think of four off the top of my head mm. where it's a, a, either a ball which has gone in between the center back and mcintyre or it's gone over the top and the players run around the back of him Precisely, it's it's the it's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You can be if I'm doing my PowerPoint presentation ahead of Chef United on on when is it? It's uh, Friday, Friday, isn't it? Good Friday. Um, if I'm the manager briefing the players ahead of that game, I'm saying target McIntyre if he's at left back because that's the way in to our soft underbelly. Um, so yeah, in answer to your question, Alex. I like McIntyre. He's not a left back, and we say it every week. And I'd like to see him if he's still here next season get a run at centre half. But I, I don't know if it's going to happen. He is actually one of the few that is here next season. I think isn't he? Because he renewed his. Was it him or was it Holmes? No, it was McIntyre. No, renewed his Morris, McIntyre is here for two. He's got two years left on his deal yeah. after this season. I, I struggle with Todd McIntyre because he's been in and around the side now for almost four years never really managed to cement a centre-back spot, which is his, you know, clearly his favourite spot to play. 
I know he played a lot of games last season, but they were, you know, they were in and around. He played left back, right back, centre back, a bit of central defensive midfield at some point. Like I don't ever think he's had half a season at centre back in a in a you know straight run, um, which I feel like is what he needs in order to yeah. to to get to the level which he's going to make a success of a, being a championship player. Um, and I don't. I don't even think next season is really going to be the one where he gets that even necessarily. Yeah, it's. If you ask me, which of the two I'm more worried about between him and Holmes, it's probably Holmes. But I agree with you. He needs. He needs a run of games in his natural position, and I don't know if he's going to get it. Um, so, it, it, it's not a good look that he was at fault for both the goals. And we'll go on to talk about the second goal. But it's. I think we lost not necessarily because of McIntyre, but he was uh, the more easily targetable member of the group that kind of just let us down. Is it? It's the way that Ince talked about it in his post match. As a group, there just seemed to be this uh, preference in the second half to just take it easy, and it's the opposite of what you need to do if you if you're one nil up you need to increase the intensity and you need to make sure that Cardiff aren't on the way back in because they were out for blood. They've lost 4-0 in the Welsh derby. They, I know they haven't got anything to play for this season. They're not going up and now mathematically they're not going down. But the way that we looked second best in terms of belief in that second half, when we are playing for something and when it was an opportunity to put an 11-point gap between us and the bottom three, just really disappointing how we then let the second goal in with only five minutes to go. Yeah, I mean the second goal comes what twenty minutes twenty minutes later. So we we bought on Delhi Bashiru, and I, I genuinely uh, I saw a few people comment about this after the game. Swift going out to left wing um, again, as we saw on Tuesday night, I want to say, uh, and the same uh, Barnsley against Barnsley. Sorry, um, so we saw it against Barnsley, and we saw it again yesterday with with Aziz coming on. This confuses me when we're not behind uh, to. to to put Delhi Bashiru into the centre of midfield and Swift out onto the left, or well, I mean, Aziz wants uh, Aziz coming to the right and into go. You know what I mean? Delhi Bashiru yeah. going into the centre though, um, it confuses me because I think Delhi Bashiru just looks incredibly weak. And I mean, we can go on to talk about the second goal. He looks incredibly weak as a central midfielder. I think uh, the, the the ball just passes him by far too easily. Uh, and the second goal, Matt. I know that we've spoken about how how Tom McIntyre definitely will take some of the blame for this goal because of his slip, but ultimately I think there's that you know there's so many there's so many there's players so, here it, where you there's so much it, wrong with like, it. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. You can what take your the thought processes right. Yeah. Um, you've I mean, got. We, we, so, I mean, we can go through the list of the players as McIntyre. <laughs> but we've discussed the McIntyre era, but like drink water. I don't know what his. Game plan is there. I think he's trying to, to make an interception. Dele Bashir, who steps up and he misses an interception and then he's like dangled a leg to try and stop something. Uh, Morrison, Morrison steps up. Now. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's so many, it's so many errors. And it's how many times have we seen this this year where it's, it just seems to be complete and well, it's, there's, there's certain elements of just utter panic stations. It's kamikaze. Yeah, and and but 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 then in others like Delhi Bashiru and and McIntyre, like I mean, I think pe- people 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 might hold him accountable for the slip, but what McIntyre was actually doing, wandering about 
up, up the pitch where he was is just he's, it's he's, ludicrous. He's ten, he's, he's ten or he's maybe not ten, but he's five or six yards ahead of the defensive line when he, you know, when the ball before Morrison even steps out, he's five or six yards ahead of a defensive yeah. line anyway when he slips over, um, not out on the left hand side. Or I, I guess maybe he's meant to be covering uh, the center at that point, but he's you know he's not actually covering because he's stepped forward to to try and make an interception, which probably isn't, I don't think it's really his responsibility at that point when it's that far away from goal still. No, no it's- and, and it's it's having the restraint to actually sit back and just stay stay in position, stay in shape, you know, because mm-hmm. so many times we've said that about this team, which they like, and it, it, I don't know whether or not it is panic. I don't know whether or not it is just um, mental, you know, almost being scared mentally of not wanting to chuck away leads because we've done it so many times. But whatever it is, like we've seen it time after time after time. Yeah, I think I think it goes back. I think if if I were to diagnose what it looks like, the problem is to me it's footballing intelligence yeah. because there's no so individually there's so many times when in situational one-on-one situations or passing positions or on the build-up or in defense the decision making seems to be wrong. And that's on a personal level, but also I think from the management too, is that it well, I think it was worse under Poundovich, but it still hasn't been fixed under Paulins. Our game management is not good because if you if I'm Paulins, I'm thinking, right, we're under the cosh here, uh, we're on for a point. I would have settled for that, but settled for it by just being so much more disciplined at the back and not just lurching out of position. Like get ready for some top-tier football analysis here. I'm going to be headhunted by The Athletic after this. Um, it's, um, you know, when you're on FIFA <laughs> and you're on manual defending and you're wildly, randomly flicking through different players and you're bringing different players out of position because they're all trying to sort of like lurch in. And in, in doing so, you're creating loads of space in behind and you just have the opposition waltz through. That's what Cardiff did because on the replay, you can see you have two, three card players basically like queuing up, waiting to come through our middle because they know that one or two running players are going to step out. And that's what McIntyre did. But it's it's kamikaze. It's completely brainless. And and it never really looked like we were going to get back into the game after that. Can I can I just say, I love that reference because I can relate to that so much on FIFA. <laughs> Me too. Brilliant Me stuff. Too. I'm a very, very like uh, low, low talent uh, FIFA player like in division rivals out of 10 divisions I'm probably like division 8 so your your <laughs> defending skills on FIFA probably match the match the defending from the second half don't worry yeah, um, the, the only player I, I like and I I don't want to say credit here because that's maybe a tad um, I feel like people might get on my back a bit for giving out credit when we've conceded the only player who I can see who's actually done the right thing here I think is Tom Holmes Tom. because he's had, he's followed his man. He's kept the line and he's kept the shape. Um, yeah. Yes. He's let two players in behind him, but ultimately those are never his players. Those players are never his responsibility in the first place. Um, and I think Tom Holmes had a really good game again, Matt. And I think, I think after his what, 10, 12, maybe even 15 game period where let's be honest, a lot of people had a lot. Of, he had a lot of critics at the last, I'd say last five, last six games. He's looked really solid, I think. He's looked a lot more quietly settled. solid, though. Quietly yeah. solid. Yeah, like he he hasn't done he hasn't done much wrong. His 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 general basics of defending has been a lot better. You know, some 
you always get the people out there that, that start talking about the players that have stepped up. A lot of them are some of the ones that are out of contract, you know, or one or needing needing to up their game to get moves. But like in all honesty, that all I care about is is getting the three points on the weekend to get us safe. And I think Tom Holmes has he he really well he's he certainly turned a corner because I I absolutely I was hammering him, you know, ten games back and I rightly so i think because some of his his decisions some of his defending was just shambolic at times but i mean it's 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 really good to see the partnership between him and morrison because that seems to definitely be the preferred partnership doesn't it at center back now um obviously it's it's likely to be all changed next season mind because neither of them are uh, contracted next year but um it's it's just nice seeing it much more settled and just doing the basics right seemingly yeah um one thing I've only just noticed actually from yesterday was there any mention from anybody as to where Scott Dan was? Yeah, that's a good question because he is someone who is going to be here next year and wasn't, um, on, wasn't on the bench again yesterday after playing in midweek, which is no, and it is, it's, it's a very weird one though. Like, what's the situation at, at centre back? Because, like, if Scott Dan is a well, because he's he's been fit for a few weeks now, but mm. he's not playing. And if he's the one that we've decided to take out of him and Morrison forward to That's next year, one. yeah, it's an odd, odd one, isn't it? The, I, really but odd. to be honest, I'm not sure just how aware of the. I mean, it's, it sounds stupid because he's I know his manager, and you'd you'd hope that he was, but I have my doubts as to just how aware of the contract situation Tom Ince, Tom Ince, Paul Ince is, because. There was murmurings from from Paul yeah. when Rinham Hotter got his season-ending end, injury. He said something in a in a press he'll conference like, oh, "Oh, he'll be back for preseason. He'll be back for next year." Yeah, but he's he won't be back for preseason because yeah. he's out of contract. He hasn't got a deal. So it might simply be a case of not knowing where we stand. And I know it's a very piss- oh. pessimistic view, but ultimately, the manager doesn't. Uh, in a, at a lot of clubs anyway, as the manager doesn't get involved with those those discussions. And yes, yeah. if you were a full-time manager, you, you probably would just have that knowledge firsthand. I mean, how many of them are going to Paul Ince to say, I want a new deal at the minute? Probably not yeah. a lot. So. I agree with you, Matt. It's tough because we there was one game, I wish I could remember which one it was, where we played Dan and Morrison at centre-back and spectacular. It was early lost. in the season. It was about yeah. October time, I think, from memory. And, and it makes sense why we would struggle with those two at the back because, you know, two big, not very pacey, experienced centre-halves probably not getting, like, the balance right in terms of having one more mobile one and one sort of direct and shout instructions and whatnot. So I don't know who I would necessarily play out of Morrison and Dan, but I agree with you. I'd probably play the one that I know is going to be here next year. And Dan's got the the big, better pedigree. And I know he hasn't set the, set the season alight, but... Um, it's a weird one, especially as, like you say, he's completely absent from the squad. Do we know, this is more sort of theoretical question to you, lads. I'm just interested. Do we know what our best defence is? Does Paul Ince know what our best defence is still? Because we've talked about Baba Rahman not automatically starting at left-back. He comes on halfway through the game and it's like... Do, he did didn't pen- come on yesterday. I thought Rahman got on the pitch. No, no Aziz, I so. Aziz came on and Deli Bashiru. I'm... Um, I'm talking out of my ass. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think he. Yeah, I don't think he does know necessarily what his the best back four is. Um, for me, it's a fairly obvious one now at this point of the season that it's it's Yeardham, Morrison, Holmes, and and Raman. But is Scott Dan in the mix? Maybe uh, like 
it's difficult yeah. to say. And also um, with all the uncertainty of the goalkeeping department as well behind them. It's, yeah, exactly. Some of the players are going to have played in front of four different goalkeepers by the end of the season. How, how like how much confidence can you can you get from that? After the second goal, we did we had one more chance, Matt, before the end of the game here, when there was some patient build up on the edge of the box uh, just before we came into injury time, and. I think multiple players could have had a shot looking at this uh, before the ball was kind of laid off to, I think it was Ince could have had a shot followed by Barker could have had a shot and they both ended up passing. <laughs> Barker ended up passing across to Zhao who was seven yards out, eight yards out, I think with, and he put in a left footed shot, which was just so yeah. good. I, was, I think they, uh, it surprised the keeper how weak it was because he didn't <laughs> just claim it and he actually ended up palming it like out to himself. Yeah. Um, I was I was really struggling to remember actually this chance because I was I was thinking what was the chance at the end I, when when was this and and I I probably couldn't remember it because it was such a tame shot like you say but yeah it, it was it it was one of those where we, we've seen this quite a few times this season as well where players don't want to shoot seemingly when when they could shoot because like say yeah. as it was being passed passed across um, the edge of the box any one of three players could have had could have had that shot and ultimately it, it falls to Jao, which to be fair he's probably the one that you you'd want to have the shot but my god it was just the it was the most tame it, feeble it was symptomatic of the attitude of a lot of players in that second half this attitude of passing the buck on to someone else there was no one that really wanted to take it take on a pass by themselves or a shot on by themselves or a tackle on by themselves it was like leaving it to be someone else's problem and it was just typified in that weak p-roll of a shot at the end in that it just wasn't really anyone's to no one claimed it <laughs> so yeah full-time 2-1 Cardiff the other results yesterday generally went in our favour though thankfully um mm. Derby losing I want to say it was away at Swansea yesterday 2-1 Barnsley getting just destroyed at Millwall, um, Millwall beating them 4-1 yesterday. Peterborough managed to claim a point, and I want to say it was at home to Middlesbrough. cannot remember off the top of my head whether they were home or away. Um, but Jacob, it leaves the gap now still at eight points between us and Barnsley. Yeah. It's, uh... Uh, it, it, it was a, clearly a missed opportunity, but it feels like eight points is, is surely enough at this stage. For well, this is, this is the frustrating thing for me, Alex, because knowing how relegation battles have gone for Reading in the past, we always, always, always conspire to make it difficult for ourselves right at the end. And even though, like you say, eight points should, should, I'm frantically touching any wood I can find around me whilst I say that, it should be enough. But if for whatever reason it's not, and we do end up going down now, these are the games that we're going to look back on. Because like I was saying earlier, the fact that we've gone ahead in seven games this season, which we've ended up conspiring to lose, those are the matches where you'll be thinking, right, well, we should have got at least a point there, if not three. Eight points should be enough, but it could have been 11. And Cardiff beating us yesterday means that now they're mathematically safe. If we'd come out of that with a win yesterday and the gap had been 11 points, media pundits... Um, people on the radio will all be saying, right, that's enough. Like, we, we're there with five games to go. So it is a massive opportunity, Miss, but it's just the frustration that I've gone from feeling relatively comfortable about our hopes to now just having that creeping, nagging doubt start to come into it again. So 
Uh, it, and, and we've got a couple of difficult fixtures still. I mean, Sheffield United aren't mugs. Uh, West Brom, I know that they've been blown hot and cold, but Luton on the last day is going to be a huge game. And I, and it worries me that it might come down to that. But yeah, we'll just have to... What about you two? Are you feeling as, as worried as I am? Um, I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a bit more in the pessimistic camp with, with you, Jacob, I think, than Alex is, um, because I, it's, it's, it's just the, the knowing that yesterday it could have been, you know, done. If we win yesterday, that's, it's, it's not, it's not 0%, obviously, because it's still mathematically possible, but it's not it's not being overturned from there. You know, I think you could be confident in actually saying it'd be 0%. And that right now, it's still a 10% chance for for those for those below us and the carrot's still there you know and sure as hell Derby Barnsley and Peterborough would rather have a 10% chance than that one or 0% chance with, that a win would have given yesterday and even a point it's it's the symbolic nature of the defeat too in that it means that the mini unbeaten run is now over and we're starting again as far as momentum's concerned whereas you know we could have been going into that Sheffield United game five unbeaten which would have been incredible but it's also the kind of defeat that I thought we were over. I thought we were kind of done with just rolling over in the second half of games, but clearly not. And that's that's again where the concerns coming in for me now. It's like, oh my god, we is it another false thorn? Have we not turned the corner that we thought we had? We we haven't turned the corner. It, like, uh, and it's difficult. Like, I I put this up on Twitter yesterday and and kind of had a few responses about the fact that the response yesterday was. Uh, the response to us losing in the way we did, I thought was maybe a little bit traumatic in the sense that, yes, we did play very poorly in the second half, but ultimately we're not a very good team. So no. maybe it's not that surprising that we did play poorly in the second half. Um, I, I'm still relatively optimistic that eight points is absolutely going to be fine. Um, Swansea have still got to play Barnsley next week. Derby have got to play Fulham. You know, uh, Yes, we might not pick up that many points, but I think, do I see Derby or Barnsley getting any more than nine points each? Probably not, which means Reading maybe need one one point from the last five games, and that's going to be enough. Um, maybe it ends up being closer than we're hoping for, or closer than it is at the moment. But I just don't see Barnsley or Derby picking up enough points. And Peterborough, again, are, are, they're just not... Neither of these teams, none of those teams blowers, I just don't see winning three of their last five or three of their last six to, to come yeah. and finish above us. I think briefly as well, we need to kind of talk about what the loss means in terms of where we're putting Paul Ince's like record for us. Because especially with the news that broke today about how I think it was the uh I think it was the mirror, wasn't it, that reported that apparently we've asked him to stay on for another year and that's before we're even safe. We're in kind of this weird catch-22 situation now where obviously we want to be winning games because it means that we're up for next season. But then the more games we win and the more points we pick up, the more of a chance there is that Ince is going to be here next season. And Do we really think that he's kind of past his probation period? It's a very difficult one, I think, because... If you if you look at how how Ince has done, he's had nine games and we've picked up eleven points. That in reality isn't actually that much better than where Panovic was um, yeah. before he was sacked. It's fine, and yes, we'll probably end up staying up with this record that he's he's got us. But is it actually that much better than what we had? It's it's 
it's okay. Yes, don't get me wrong. When Paunovic was sacked, we all knew he should be sacked. Um, and the performances had, had kind of fallen out of the floor. But a lot of that was because of the the one month, six weeks worth of, you know, pretty awful football with a very injury hit squad in January. Um, yeah. We're now playing weaker teams with a stronger squad. I would kind of expect Paul Lynch to be doing better uh, than we were at the start of the year. I mean, Matt, do you... Do, do you and I, I feel like the overwhelming response is that Paul Ince shouldn't be the manager next season. The, the 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 other question though then comes down to okay, well if Paul Ince isn't going to be the manager, who can Reading actually yeah. go out and attract? Who can they get in as coach for next year? When the fact the facts remain that Reading are going to go for a very difficult summer with not really having many players. They they're going to be one of the favourites for relegation next season, no matter who comes up, because they're going to yep. not have a squad. Um, who's who, like what is attractive to a manager out there uh, who you know about that situation? Yeah, and I think it's 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 kind of the the thing you've got to look at and be realistic about, isn't it? Because realistically, no one's going to want to take on Reading in the summer. Pe- people say, oh. We, we, we can we can start looking at Warburton etc but it's 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 so like 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 you look at the situation that Reading are in and even you've got an owner who is just seemingly non-existent and loose yeah absent and a loose cannon you've got a club that has no direction at the moment we sack we sack a manager every season you know no manager is going to want to come in and take take this on so it's like even though I look at it and 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 I and I think you know do, do I really want Paul in here next year probably not but realistically when you think about it who else are we going to attract but I think a lot of a lot of blame still goes back to the original statement that was put out when Paul Ince came in when they said we will now go through the process of diligently mm-hmm. searching for a new manager which is just seemingly just not yeah. at all happened I mean, and it's more lies a diligent search through an empty cupboard is still an empty cupboard because <laughs> if you're diligently rifling through an empty like chest of drawers trying to find the perfect man that doesn't exist you know they can say that they're they're putting together some some brilliantly sprawling manager search but if they've decided that it's going to be in and i mean the biggest argument that i see in favour of Ince on Twitter is like, oh, well, it's continuity and we don't want to be chopping and changing again. But do we want this as our continuity, knowing that, like Alex says, it's going to get worse before it gets better? We're going to have a weaker squad next season. We're going to be favourites from for relegation from the get-go. Do we trust Paul Ince enough, given what we've seen so far, to be the man to to leaders on that basis. And I guess off the basis of the Cardiff result to bring it back to what we saw yesterday, I just think not, I know he's only had nine games, but not enough has changed for me to think that he is the chosen one. But I don't know. I I just, um, I I agree with you, Matt. It's it's, going to be an interesting, uh, interesting manager search. 100%. 100%. for, For me, if, uh, like I don't, I don't really think that Paul Ince is the man. He's not going to take us to the next level. So and all these cliches. However, I don't expect Reading to do that anytime soon. I don't expect Reading to be challenging for the playoffs next year. I don't expect Reading to even finish in the top. Like I don't expect any of this next season. If we finish twenty first again, without it, like you know, without 
being one of these fans who sets the bar too low in inverted commas or anything. Mm. I don't see probably it being qualified a qualified success. Yeah. And yeah, I just yeah. don't see us being a good team next season again, no matter who comes in as manager, because we don't have the resources or capability to do so yet. Um, not, so no manager it, is going to magically turn us into a top six team next year. No, and I think anyone that thinks that is really under a false kind of... Yeah. yeah. But it, and this is part of the issue I've got with people saying, oh, we need to look for a manager who's going to rebuild. And it, ultimately, the, the rebuild isn't going to be next season. The rebuild is... Uh, next season is going to be like this season, unfortunately in the sense that we're going to have a lot of players on one-year deals who leave after a year, and we're going to lose a lot of players on a free again in the yeah. following, like, next summer. Ultimately, the rebuild is actually in a year's time. Um, and that's when, like, for me at least, that's when I would want a permanent, like, full-time, yeah, five-year manager to come in and, and build, again, in inverted commas, build the squad and build the club. To, to ask for that this this summer is is really difficult. And for me, that's one of the, I guess, not pros, but that's one of the reasons I can see Ince being given the job because ultimately next season is almost a firefighting job once again. Yeah. It's just who do you want to be in the trenches with you? Because I think we're going to lose a lot of players this season who we might have seen aren't up for the fight. But if if Ince can galvanise them next year over the summer and just kind of put in place his backs against the wall mentality, then so be it. But... I, I feel like the, the nagging, horrible feeling I have at the back of my head is that if he, if Ince can't get a result against it, Cardiff, Cardiff, I know they aren't mugs. I know they're down at the bottom near us in the category of shite, but not quite shite enough. Um, th- they made a lot of changes yesterday, Cardiff, and like different shape, played a lot of young players. And I know they were off the back of a really humiliating defeat to their rivals 4-0. But they were there to be beaten, I think. And I and I think the fact that Ince kind of came short in terms of his, his um, half-time team talk and just not being able to get us across the line, that would be what concerns me going forward. But I know we'll just have to see. So, And we're not time travellers yet. We've not yet no. been able to develop time-travelling technology on the Umpire Royals podcast. So. If if we had, we would have already already travelled through to after something to be able to bring you the uh, bring you the latest as to who the manager is going to be. We we would time travelled to to our Champions League campaign in twenty forty seven. That's what we're all uh, looking forward to in the long run. Yeah, I've got that one now. I've already 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 can see the the arguments though for the royalty points for the tickets. No, I'm not <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, yeah, ultimately the time travel. Not being here is a disappointment. Yesterday was a disappointment. And the fact that we're not going to be back until Thursday with a podcast is a disappointment. Hey. But we will be back on Thursday with a podcast, um, previewing both of the East games coming up. Jacob, you're going to be speaking with a Sheffield United fan and a Swansea fan to lucky preview me. the... Yes, lucky you. <laughs> previewing, the, um, previewing those two Easter games. How many points do you think we'll pick up, Matt, from those two games? Um, I don't want to be pessimistic, but Swansea and Sheffield United, we we never pick points up against. I I, I think the, the win against Swansea, we this beat season, Swansea this season. We did, and that was our first win in stupidly long time against them. Was that the Andy um, Carroll uh, row 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 your boat celebration it was. game? Was it, it was what, what a time. 
<laughs> back in a better time when when we when we thought oh there might have been light at the end of the that's tunnel. That's still his um that's still his header photo on Twitter by the way, even though he's a West Brom player. It really tickles me. <laughs> so you're going um, you're going zero, Matt. I, I honestly I can't see us picking up more than one point. It'll be a loss away at Sheffield United and maybe a point at home to Swansea, but like I say they are two of our worst teams that we ever seem to play against and never get wins. So, Jacob, any wins in those two? You know how everyone has that one person they know that whenever you play their team, you'd love to beat them because you're not really a fan of them. Well, in, in the words of Kevin Keegan, I'd love it. I'd love it if we beat Sheffield United. I really would. Um, and I don't know. I've just Every time I've seen Sheffield United this season, I've thought they're not. They're not much to write home about. But then I, I guarantee we'll we'll go and get uh, spanked to them now. But I think if there were a, if blah, if there was a game that we could win, it'd be Sheffield United. I don't fancy it against Swansea. Sheffield United um, in sixth would be the one you think we'd win. Yeah, I'm more worried about I'm more worried about Swansea than I'm Sheffield United. I know that sounds completely converse, but I just feel like especially given that Swansea will still be riding high. I mean, how did Swansea do yesterday? One. The, they they won. Right. So they're in good form. All right. And I know Sheffield United are pushing for playoffs, but I don't know. We always do better against the teams they're not expected to beat. I mean, lads, we beat Blackburn. We got a point against Bournemouth. For me, it's the Sheffield United game that that I think we you know what? I'm gonna be an optimist. I reckon we're gonna we're gonna turn the tables on Sheffield United and then get beat by Swansea. How about that? That's about as optimistic as I get. If we get three points from these two games. Either way, whoever we beat, I'll be very, very pleased because that will pretty much confirm safety for me, I think. Um, given that Barnsley this weekend have got... Uh, Barnsley are playing against Swansea away from Friday. And, and they've got the big game against Peterborough. They have, they have the big game against Peterborough, which if that could be a draw, everybody's happy. You know, everybody's happy. And that is what we're looking for here on the Unpart Rules podcast. Everybody to be happy. Join <laughs> us again. <laughs> yes, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, it should hopefully be here in the next couple of weeks, you know. So just give it a little bit more time and fingers crossed safety will be pretty much secured. Um, yep, join us again at the end of this week for Jacob's preview. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jacob, for joining me. Thank you for listening and we'll speak to you all very soon. <laughs>